You are listening to the Becoming Men podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me for the Becoming Men podcast brought to you by thebecomingmen.com. I'm your host, Ray Delanues, and this is the podcast for men on their masculine journey. Today, I'll be joined by Jason Valentin, and we are going to be talking about how to deal with emotional pain like a man. That's right, like a man. And if you're honest, you would actually see that a lot of men tend to push away this area of their lives like it doesn't exist. But guys, it does. And Jason brings some wonderful tools, techniques, and principles that are going to rock you. I'm just gonna go ahead and let you know right now, put your phone down, put your earbuds in, and let's go. Ray, thanks so much for having me on, man. I so appreciate it. Brother, like I said to you before, this has actually been the product uh, Becoming Men has been, it's been a long road and you have a lot to do with it, even though this is the first time I'm having this conversation with you. Um, And it's because of some of the things that you've been able to put out there, um, the books that you've written, uh, the blogs that you've written, the messages that you have, uh, have you've given, but you've been working on this thing called Brave Co. Please tell our audience, what is that? Man, I think we got to start back just a little bit back to when I was a kid, you know, I've always... I had the blessing of growing up in a Christian home and I'll say a blessing because it was a blessing, you know, sometimes growing up in a Christian home, I've counseled many people that it actually wasn't a blessing for them, but my home, it was. And, um, when I was young, my dad used to tell us Bible stories. This was like before the internet, we didn't have the internet in the eighties. So my dad used to tell us Bible stories. And when I was about 12 years old, my dad was telling me about David and his mighty men. And I was fascinated, man. I was like gripped. And I realized like when he was done telling me about like one guy who would jump in the pit with a lion on a snowy day and club him to death or the guy that would, would fight off, you know, a thousand men. And I just, I started, I started, I actually told my dad, like, that's what I want to do. I want to restore men back to their original creation. And these guys were outcasts, you know, they were the, the guys that nobody wanted. And I, for some reason, I actually feel like I was blessed that I found like my purpose, the piece of responsibility in this world that I was going to pick up, which we know is so important for men. And, and I found that as a young age, at a young age. And um, I just so happened to have a dad that also was brave enough to push me in that direction. So uh, my dad, you know, growing up, my dad would be like, Hey, your job is to help people who need help, who are hurting. So from a really young age, he was just speaking identity, identity into me, calling out those gifts. Fast forward, um, two years ago, we all have these dreams in our hearts, you know, like everyone's got these dreams and I'm the same way. I had this dream to help men, blah, blah, blah. I've been talking about forever and I've been doing it on small capacities here, there, uh, I would say unintentionally and intentionally in, in different areas, but not consistently just to men. And a couple of years ago, I told my wife, Lauren, I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to leap off and throw a, a um, men's retreat, the Wildcatter Ranch in Graham, Texas. And we did, man. We, we had this men's retreat. We oversold. So more guys came and I was terrified. Like I had my dad flying out to speak and I was like, man, what if, what if nobody comes? And then it's just like me and my dad, all the fears, right? Because it's a dream, all the fears. It's funny how we don't assume the best is going to happen. That old, that old self-protection kicks in. So we did it. It was, it was phenomenal. It was one of the best events uh, that I'd been at 
saw men's lives get changed. Um, and I could truly say that two years later, like I literally saw men's lives get changed. And then, um, COVID hit and I still have the name Braveco. We, we planned on doing like a, the continuation of that COVID hits. And I'm just, I'm just like, man, this sucks. Um, and I just thought, you know, this sucks so much for me. It probably sucks way worse for other guys. So I just did 10 days in a row. I just put on Instagram, like 10 days in a row. Are there, is there anybody that wants to, like, I'm going to teach a 10 day course on masculinity. I didn't have it written or anything. I just put it up there. Cause again, like the more you think about stuff, sometimes you just got to jump over the chicken line. You that's, know? It. that's so true. And so I just said, man, if you, if you guys want, I ended up having like 127 guys jump on wow. every day of the week besides uh, Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. So we did two weeks in a row and it just, it just kicked off from there. We sat down with some, some really close friends um, and thought, man, what do we want to call this thing? We ended up calling it Brave Co, short for Brave Company. And, um, but it, what it is uh, right now, Brave Co is, is a, we're, we're right now we're building out Brave Co. So if guys are like, Oh, I want to jump into that. Um, we're launching an online platform that guys will be able to, uh, subscribe to, and you'll have a 12 week course on discipleship there that you can get. You'll have a married uh, course for married couples by Dr. Glenn Hill, um, who's a sexologist. He's phenomenal. Wow. Um, so we'll do a four week course there. We have a weekly Bible study that we'll do weekly challenges for men, uh, cause men need challenge. Yes. Um, and we need, we need somebody to push us and we need someone to run with. And so, um, and then we have some other cool stuff that we're working on, um, that, that we're building out. So it basically yeah. it's an online platform for men to come and grow and learn and engage. Um, because men are, are just, they're so disconnected from one another and from life. And, um, I just think, you know, the most important thing that we can do right now in the world is to heal the family and heal the man. Why is that? Uh, ultimately heal the family. And if you, if you heal a man, you heal a family. Yeah. You know, fatherlessness is the number one issue that we have in America today. Sorry. It's the number one issue that we have in the world today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not discounting any other issue, not discounting the, the, um, racial issues, none of those. Uh, if you actually look back and you start to look at research, the amount of men that are in prison, the amount of, uh, homelessness, the amount of drug use, the amount of drug, uh, abuse, um, the amount of, um, crime that happens, you can link all of that back to fatherlessness. When you don't get started off the right way in life by a loving mother and father, I don't care if they're Christian, non-Christian. When you don't get started off the right way, it's almost impossible to finish your life well. It's almost impossible to live your life well because you're starting from such a deficit. I was watching Jordan Peterson uh, this morning. He was talking about, as a parent, your job is to raise your kids so that they are acceptable adults. And you may hear that and be like, ah, you want to raise kids so that they conform? No. He said, by the time they're four years old, 
if your kids are disagreeable to you and other people, by the time they're four years old, they will start to experience rejection from the outside world. And what happens there? They become even more disagreeable. So, you know, every kid has a different personality. Some kids are very uh, passive. Some kids are very aggressive. Um, it's not good or bad. You, you know, some kids are very agreeable or very disagreeable. We could say yeah. that. It's not good or bad. It's something that has to be trained and taught and harnessed. And if you take a very disagreeable kid, which basically means he wants his way all the time. Again, not bad. That's a person that's focused. That's a person that makes quick decisions. You know, that's, that's probably your type A businessman. If you teach that kid how to harness, mm. right? Even from a young age, how to, okay, don't talk. Don't, don't ask questions when I'm in the middle of a conversation. Don't interrupt. Uh, don't, don't talk down to other people. Don't hit, just simple things, right? If you teach them how to do that, other people want to interact with him. The world begins to tell him thing, positive things about who he is. Yeah. He gets a real smile. He gets a real invitation. Uh, kids want to play with him. They're telling him, you are acceptable. You're great. They're reinforcing what mom and dad are saying. You take that same kid. And if he is disagreeable, not fun, uh, interrupts all the time, instead of getting a real smile, that kid gets a fake smile. Parents aren't happy to see him. Kids don't want to play with him. And they begin to reject him. And so, you know, think about a four-year-old kid that doesn't actually understand how the world works, doesn't understand that his behavior, because he wasn't taught, is what's creating all the rejection in his life. Then he doesn't even know what to do with the rejection. What is the rest of his life going to look like? Yeah. And that's the world that we're putting our, that we're raising. That's the world that we live in today. Yeah. Is without a healthy family. Is very hard to expect that we're going to change the statistics that we're going to create long lasting, healthy lives. So, you know, in my mind, there's nothing more important, at least for me, I'll say that there's nothing more important to focus on than fatherlessness. Mm. Then not just bringing dad home, dad's home, but healing the heart. So they have something of value to give so that they can raise up, train, get our country on a completely different path. Okay. And it, I'm right there with you, I got, right alongside you, especially being in the military, right? So I am being thrown into a squad bay as a brand new recruit from New Jersey with all of these other recruits from all over the United States, right? And we're all a bunch of men, right? Just at our most vulnerable stage. And you're seeing, you're looking around like, man, that guy has a way different accent than me. That, look, that guy looks way different than me. But man, we really are dealing with the same stuff, right? Yeah. All different walks of life, but we are dealing with the same stuff. And when you get vulnerable enough with some guys, which boot camp does make you pretty vulnerable, I swear yeah. I cried as an 18-year-old man with a screaming drill instructor over me saying, louder, right? Like it was, it was bad. I doubted every decision uh, yeah. after that. So um, yeah, just when you got vulnerable with other guys and you got to hear, um, you know, some of their backstory, you got to hear some of the things that they had gone through. You're like, wow, this, 
That's not just in New Jersey. That's not just in Mississippi. That's not just here. That's not just there. You know, it's all over. So, I mean, I think you're right in saying that, hey, this is a cultural thing. This is, we're dealing with this worldwide. So you have these, I love how uh, John Eldridge puts it, uninitiated and incomplete men, right? Uninitiated men who are now in, it's, you know, sometimes young boys in grown man bodies. Yes. Trying to go out there in the world and do something. Uh, We're hurt, we're injured, and we're disagreeable. I love how you said that. Um, Yeah. How do you, how do we deal with that, man? Like what, where do we even start with that internally within ourselves? You know, like how do we start taking ownership of ourselves and say, holy crap, I'm messed up. I'm dealing with this. Where do I go now? Yeah, it's a great question. And, um, I, the key word that you said there is ownership. You know, you can't fix something that you don't own. And you know that from, from the military. I mean, I, I listen to Jocko a lot and, um, I imagine that a lot of military guys listen to Jocko. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and his thing is ownership, you know, and, and I just, I can't stress it enough as a counselor. I grew up just counseling. That's what I do now is counsel oversee uh, counseling departments. And you can fix anything that you're willing to take ownership for. So I think guys should stop and take a look at their life and not look for bad stuff. Just ask the question, do I like my life? Do I, is it going the way that I want to? Am I headed in the right direction? Do I like being around me? Um, if nothing changed, would I be happy with, the, with this, my projected course? And if you're not happy, then you start to break it down to like, okay, why? Why am I not happy? Well, I'm lonely. Why are you lonely? And my thing comes back to really is like, do you know how to work through pain? Do you know how to, uh, and maybe you didn't ask this question outright, but I think that when we learn how to face our pain, when we learn how to face the stuff that is trapped inside, that's probably the point where you begin to really heal. When you're, when you're brave enough to go, I'm going to face what's going on inside. Yeah. And I think I know a lot of people that, are, that want to do that, but not a lot of us actually walk it out, mostly because I don't think they know the practical steps. And let me say this, church and Christianity has not helped. Yeah. Because you hear a lot of things like, you need to leave it at the cross. You need to leave your pain at the cross. Well, what the hell does that mean? I mean, practically, again, being a counselor, if I have a, if I have a guy that sits in my office with me, says, I'm in a lot of pain. And my advice back to him is you need to leave that at the cross. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Do I pray and imagine taking my stuff and laying it down at a fake cross and then like across my mind, is that what I'm, it's so confusing. And I think Christianity has, uh, on one hand, I'm knocking Christianity. So let me just beat this drum for a little bit and then we'll. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I think that ultimately Jesus is the answer. But when, when you don't know how to access that help, it just feels so impossible. So, you know, the, the other thing is like, oh, you, you have a renewed mind. Well, if that's true, why am I still in the same pain? Why am I having these thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, we have all these quotes, but what do I do? Tell me what to do. And again, going back to the military, 
that's one thing I love about the military, just from studying. I've never been in the military. I was a firefighter, so I understand some of the parallels are a lot the same. When you wake up in the morning, you're not going, what do I do? When you wake up in the morning, you're in a routine. I'm going to do this. Yeah. At least in boot camp. Firefighting, <laughs> you're learning the same stuff. This is what you do here. This is what you do there. This is what you do there. And so it's not in theory. Theoretically, we're going, no, there's a plan and there's a plan B. And, there, and so I think a lot of us in life, when you look at this pain, you go, okay, I'm brave enough to face it, but no one's given me a plan. And, and I was never taught. Yeah. So if I acknowledge that I'm in pain, but have no real way out, because you can't will yourself out of it. If you that don't have a way sense. out, then you're just, you literally just stuck there feeling it. Say that last part again, man, because that was too good. You can't will yourself out of pain. <laughs> you have to process your way through it. I think every single guy listening is like, wait a minute. Did, <laughs> you can't, you know, like, what do you mean you can't? That's what I've been trying to do. That's what, that's what I've been taught to do. What else do you do? You know? Yeah. And that's why you're stuck is uh, guys are stuck because they're running away from it. And guys are stuck because they're facing it, but they actually don't have a process. They're brave enough to stand there and feel it, but then they don't know what to do. Yeah. It's kind of like having a guy show up at the front lines, right? I'm telling him, hey, we are taking down the enemy. He's straight ahead, 300 meters, prepare to charge. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to lay down my life for my country, but where's my rifle and how do I use it? Right. Like, no, I got exactly. I don't even know. I have the tools with me. charging the enemy and he's just going to get shot. Yeah, exactly. Every time. Can't figure out why he keeps getting wounded. Yeah. You're like, oh, there's tools and tactics, right? There's tools and tactics. Yo, you got to, you got to fire and, and, and move. You got to fire and move, fire, and move, whatever, cover and cover and fire. Um, so for me, the, the, I'll just take, I'll just give guys five, like five easy steps Really, if, the, if you've lived, let me just stop and say this. If you've lived a life of pain and you're like, man, I want to dive in, the fastest way is to do this with a counselor. Yeah. I'm not trying to like, you guys can't even hire my time. So that's not like a pitch to, oh, go on my way. You can't buy my time. I don't <laughs> counsel. Uh, I don't counsel. Um, I oversee a counseling department. So sure. but it's just the fastest way because they have a roadmap, right? It's tailored to, it's like, if you want to learn, if you want to uh, get physically fit, the fastest way is to get an expert to come help you. Okay. So we can leave that there. Um, but the, for starters, step one, let me just give you step one, acknowledge the pain. Again, you can't fix anything that you're not willing to see. Most people aren't willing to see it, but if you are willing to see it and you're willing to face it, you're, you are so far on the way yeah. to getting well. Take one thought, one memory, one moment, one of those, and begin to process. So step two is step one, acknowledge. Step two, pick one. So uh, if you had a really painful childhood, don't just close your eyes and say, I forgive my parents for everything you've ever done in my entire life. Okay, forgiveness is not a blanket. You can't throw it on your whole entire life and voila, everything's vanished. I know that we've been taught that, like we've been taught that as Christians, you know, you need to forgive that person. It's true. I need to get to a place of forgiveness, but I could get pressured into giving you a fake, I forgive you. And then we wonder why. So if guys are watching this, they're wondering like, well, 
I've forgiven people, but I still have pain. It's because before you ever learned how to acknowledge your pain, you said, I forgive you without acknowledging your pain. Mm. And Christ didn't even do that when he was on the cross. I'll explain that a little bit, but you have to acknowledge the pain that you're in, but one at a time, because you can only process one thing at a time. So pick one, whatever's the most prevalent, don't hash up old pain. If it's old and gone and dealt with, let it be in the past, but whatever's fresh, whatever's new, go ahead and sit down with that one thing. When I work through pain, I like to journal. It's just so easy. It's a way that you stay focused and I'm going to work through this one thought and begin to go after it. So I like to, um, I like to journal as if I like to journal as if I'm going to read it again someday without worrying about there's no judgment. Yeah. So when you journal for me, I would get out my computer cause I could type fast enough. I'd find a font that I really like um, because I knew like this is going to be a, a huge journey in my life. Uh, my wife, my first wife left uh, me and the kids when I was uh, 27. So I'm just going to give you like, a, this is where I learned this piece. Sure, sure. I was 27. And <clears throat> which that launched me into, okay, I'm in tons of pain. How am I going to get out of it? So I realized right then, like, okay, this is going to be in my life for a long time. I want to be able to come back, read this journal, and actually feel compassion for the guy that worked through this. Great. So I wrote, I wrote like, I wrote really intentionally. So I, I put on uh, music, write the date at the top, title it if I wanted to, but then begin to write. Now, when you're writing, when you're processing pain, so step three, you're going to process honestly. It doesn't do any good to process pain and be afraid of what you're writing and be lying to yourself. It just doesn't. And this is part of the challenge for, again, you know, a lot of Christian men have a hard time going, I hate you. I freaking hate you. I wish you weren't alive. And, and worse than that, stuff that I wouldn't say even on this, I wouldn't say out loud, it wouldn't be appropriate. But when I'm in the comfort of my own home, the safety of my own room, my kids aren't around, and I'm actually going, this is what happened to me. This right here. You have to get out. It's like cutting open an infected wound. You have to get all that infection out. You can't just go, oh, let's put a bandaid on it. I mean, for real. So you can't just go, let's put a Band-Aid on this bullet hole because it's really gross in there. It's, it's nasty. You got to open that sucker up and go this right here. This is the thing. Everything right here is gross. All of it. So again, I'm picking one thought, one memory, sitting down, creating enough time to journal it. And I'm starting with my thoughts. This is what happened to me. And from there, what happens is when you begin to process like that, when you begin to go, this is what happened, you'll start to write. And then pretty soon you're crying. And pretty soon you get to the place where you don't, there's nothing, there's no tears left. You've cried so long, or you feel like your head's going to explode, or you're going to have a heart attack from crying too hard. That's the place where you want to get to is you have completely exhausted yourself, may take five minutes, may take 
an hour on this one thing. Yeah. And I'll give an example in a sec. Once you've processed through that, you'll eventually get to a place where there's like nothing left. I don't know if you've ever cried so much that at some point you kind of wake up to the realization that you've been crying for a long time and it's starting to lift that feelings lifting. Yep. Okay. That's when you begin to engage with God. It's in that that next step. Yeah. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to, you're, you're going to go, I hate you for this, or I'm angry at this, or why did you do this? Just judgment. There's tons of judgment for the pain. Eventually, when you're crying, you're going to find out that you're going to find the peace that's causing so much pain. I'll explain it like this. On my, one of the first memories I had after my divorce was my wedding day. I didn't try to. I yeah. was uh, I was at work at the school ministry. I used to be a pastor at Bethel Church at the school ministry there, and uh, I was laying like I was laying down during worship. I was on the, the corner of the stage. No one could see me, but I was laying there, and all of a sudden, like you know, you're just laying, and all of a sudden, you have this. You're in a memory, in a thought. That's what happened. So I'm in a thought. I'm watching my wife, ex-wife, then walk down the aisle which is a real memory. I'm having a real memory. I'm watching her walk down the aisle, begin to cry. And I'm like, oh, geez, I hadn't had this memory. I hadn't had this memory yet. Super painful. And now I'm like, as I'm walking her, watch down the aisle, because I didn't stop the memory. I begin to like, I'm bawling. Ooh. I went from crying to bawling. And then I quickly realized worship's about to end and I'm bawling. I'm like, oh, crap, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> so I get up, I put my hat and, you know, over my face, I walk out as quickly as I can out of the sanctuary, go up to my office, turn off the lights, put on sad music. I should have said that. I put on music to match my mood. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going, I hate you while, while music's going like, praise right. the Lord. Oh, my no. Yeah. Music to match my mood. And so I'm upstairs and I keep the memory going. Man, and I'm, that's war. Yeah, it's war, dude. I'm typing. And I'm crying and I'm typing and I'm crying and I'm typing and I'm crying. And I'm, I'm just like, got it. And I'm, it's brutal. I'm being brutal to her because I'm saying like, how could you, everything from, I hate you to, I heard myself type. I heard myself say, who's going to want me anymore? I didn't have my, I gave my vows away. I gave my innocence away. That was actually the root. I got all the way down to, you took something. No, no. I willingly gave something that I could never, ever give again for the first time. Who's going to want me? I didn't know how painful that was until I found it. Once I found that piece, I realized that's the thing I can't fix. Yeah. Got to the root cause, man. That's I can't get my vows back. I can't give my virginity away again. I can't give my innocence away, whatever innocence was, because it wasn't sexual for me. I couldn't give away that untainted, untampered. I could not get that back. 
once I realized that, that is what I needed to meet with God about. Hmm. I didn't need to go to God about all my pain about her, which is, see, here's the problem. A lot of people are laying down their pain in the sense of, I'm so angry at this person. Take this anger away. No, no, no. What are you going to do, God, about this piece that's causing me anger? So step five, what, God, what are you going to do about this? You're going to meet with God. Once you start to come down, you'll start to realize like, this is the thing I really need, but you probably won't find it till you get rid of, till you get rid of all the layer stuff on the first layer is screw you, F you, whatever it is, you don't deserve to live. You don't deserve to block. How dare you? How could you do? It's all this accusation. You get below that. Again, I know I'm being really redundant, but if guys are really wanting to get rid of pain, we have to be, we got to teach them step by step. So yeah. once you get to the thing, what is the thing that you need that only God can do? Ah, oh, my innocence, my vows, my purity. What are you going to do about that? So in that moment, I literally said, God, what are you going to do about this? Like, I need an answer for this. Boom. He was right there. Literally gave me an answer. Literally right there. Gave me an answer. Wow. Just heard it. I didn't hear it audibly, but I heard it. Yeah. From that place, all of a sudden, all the anger that I had towards her lifted. So now I feel compassion. And let me say this. Forgiveness without compassion is almost fruitless. It's almost, it's almost completely ineffective. It's like firing a weapon without aiming. <laughs> ineffective it's so ineffective it's crazy yeah. one out of a, a million you hit what you're aiming at if it's if it's far at all if it if it has any distance to it you can yeah. forget about it yeah it's the same, same thing with forgiveness it's compassion activates forgiveness so what happens at that point when when god comes and he takes care of the thing that's actually really going on to me now i'm not angry anymore that thing's gone from that place, I begin to ask, okay, God, how do you see the person that hurt me? Whoever that is, that's your dad, that's you, that's your ex-wife, that's your wife, that's your kids. How do you see them? Because my needs already been met. I mean, I did this a thousand times. So what will happen? He'll show you how he sees them. When you see God, when you see the person, how God sees them, it's a complete game changer. Yeah. But if you start there, here's the problem with starting there. A lot of people want to skip to the end. If you don't get rid of this, all the pain, all the accusation, why did this happen? Am I going to be taken care of? It's like, it'd be like taking your young boy and having a stranger bully him. And then taking him and being like, no, stop crying about that. No, no, stop. No, I don't want to hear why he... I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear how you feel about that. You yeah. need to forgive this guy. Yeah. Oh, you're going to end up with tormentors. Oh, yeah. you're going to end up with demons. Oh, the Lord. I mean, that's what we're doing to ourselves. When you're not, when he, if your little kid wasn't allowed to go, I hate him, dad. Oh no, I'm afraid of you hating something. But he's not saying I want to hate him. I want to hate him forever. He's saying, I hate him. I don't ever want him near me again. 
I want to kill him. Those are all normal feelings when you've been completely dominated. Yeah. And we try and talk ourselves out of that because we want this really good feeling. Supposedly, that's a myth. You can't get that. The only way you get that, man, is by walking through this path. Yeah. Now, is this the only way to forgive? No, it's just one step. This is just one way that I found to work through pain that's really effective. And how many times do you have to do it? Well, I don't, I can't remember ever doing the same memory twice. It's that effective. So, you know, I took a 10 year, uh, sorry, a 12 year relationship and worked through it in about seven months completely. Wow. That's pretty effective. Yeah. But you have to change the way that you see pain and memories. You have to look at it as a gift. Every painful thought becomes a gift because every, every one of those is an opportunity to get your need met and to connect, to genuinely connect with God. Yeah. But you have to be brave enough to create time in your schedule, sit down, open up your computer, find your sad music for the day, share your emotions, find that one thing that's, or the two things or the three things that really are causing that, connect with God, which can be a little bit of work, get your need met, go back. How do you see this person who hurt me? And then turn over every stone. When you forgive them, don't just say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Everything that you wrote down that you said F you for, I forgive you for this. I forgive you. Be specific, man. Yeah. From there, I tell you, you'll, you will, you'll stand up from one of those and feel like a new man, literally, because it's done. You got to the whole core of it. And then you could go next, you know, eat well, sleep well, exercise, have fun, process. I can, I could absolutely attest to this. And it's just sad because I didn't have the words for it. I didn't have the process down. I just know it because I didn't do the process and I know the repercussions of it. So for me, it was, um, I stopped watching pornography, but I never took care of the root issue. So I was taking care of the symptom. Yeah. Right. I was taking care of the flies, but not shutting the screen, the the screen door, letting them in. Right. So now I'm young, I'm married. Um, and I'm still dealing with all these thoughts. And here's what I did. Like every other guy, I would run away from the thoughts as like, and then I would run to church and try to get delivered. Yeah. And then I would speak all this Christianese and then I would have to leave it at the cross. And then I would have to meet with pastors and all of this, nothing made it better. And so I have two journals during this season. One of them was pre getting this, this little insight that you alluded to. It was structured so that the world could read it. Yeah. The other one, I said, screw this. I'm the only person reading it. Burn after, after reading. Right. Right. And after that's where the Christianese went away. That's where the vulnerability came out. And I really started to deal with stuff. Like why the hell am I having this stupid dream Yeah, and waking up with my wife next to me? And I just had nocturnal ejaculation. You know what I mean? Like that is an embarrassing thing as a 24 year old man. Yeah. But not dealing, not wanting to deal with that, not wanting to deal with the, with the acknowledge the pain, like you said, Yeah, just leaves you stuck in the same cycle. It does. And, um, it takes a lot of bravery to face your stuff, you know, and, and we're, we are raised and taught that, that we're supposed to be weak. You know, we, we want to be a safe man, hmm. a simple man. And, um, I want to be an effective man That's good. and I don't want to be a violent man. 
but I'd want to be an effective man and a dangerous man yeah. that um, knows how to harness that yeah. and bridle that. And it takes a lot of courage to face. Uh, it takes more courage to face what's going on the inside than it ever will. Yeah. Um, what's on the outside. Right. And so it does, you know, unfortunately we were never really taught well how to do all this stuff. And so, yeah. man, could you imagine um, being able to teach your kids just simple processes when they're really young, like, Hey, let's talk about the boy. Tell me what happened. How did your heart feel when he bullied you? How did it feel? I hate him, dad. Totally. It's okay to feel like that Yeah, and not be afraid. Like, Oh, he's going to stay there forever. So here's, here's a, a thing that tends to happen. Um, with us young guys, especially my generation, man, we're so good for it. Cause we have, guess what? YouTube, Google, we have all these gurus out there, right? So yeah. you can actually become a self-made fill in the blank. Yeah. Right? So these self-made men yeah. um, come out there. And so, yeah, I'm, I want to deal with this stuff. Um, maybe I, I want to get a little bit more brave. I want to jump into it. Um, and I'm going at it alone, right? Like, sure. I'll buy into this, Jason. I'll journal. I'll cry, but I'm, I'm just going to sit on my lonesome, you know, deal with it with God. Do you have anything to say to that, man? The opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. I wish I would have thought of that, but I didn't. <laughs> the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. When you start to look at that, our world is so addicted. Our men are so addicted. And right away, men are going to go, yeah, to pornography. Yeah, to pornography, to overworking, to staying busy, to <clears throat> uh, their toys, we're so addicted because we're not connected. Yeah. I mean, guys, you can just stop and just think about that for a while. And guys will say, no, I've got friends. I play with them on uh, Xbox Live all the time, right? Yeah. Or, or we go fishing together. I'm talking yeah. about does somebody know you? Mm. Do they know you? Do you actually feel nourished? That's an uncomfortable word for a man. Do you feel nourished in your relationships? If you're going to say yes, then I'm going to say, prove it. Prove it to you. How do you know? We think that we're, we are being authentic because we're being transparent. See, transparency says you can touch me, but you can't have me, mm. which is we need transparency. You can be, but you're stand, most of us are standing behind bulletproof glass. We're afraid. Yeah. But vulnerability, vulnerability is what we have to have if we're going to be truly authentic. Because vulnerability says you can see me and you can touch me. You have permission to change my mind. You have per permission to pour into me. You have permission to give me something. Yeah. But if I lived a life, this is what happens to a lot of men. You live a life like the disagreeable child that we talked about yeah. in the very beginning where you weren't, you weren't taught that you're incredible. So you felt lots of rejection in your life from whatever your, your own stuff, other people's stuff. And you learn something, you learn people are dangerous. People are painful. It's just a world of pain. So then you get saved and you realize God's the only one who will never leave me. Okay. 
So you have a relationship with God. And you devote to him. But you still feel so freaking lonely. And, and you're, you, you're the type of guy that tries to hold on to this thought. God's all I need. He's not all you need. If he was all you needed, why did he put Adam and Eve in the garden? Yeah. Adam was alone, walking with God in the cool of day, having a great time with God, realizes there's not a super suitable helpmate. He didn't make Eve because there was a bunch of work that Adam had to get done that only women could do. Nuh-uh. There, wa- there wasn't the type of connection. Just God and Adam, it wasn't enough. That's a wild thought. Yeah. You need connection on a deep level. We were designed not just to say, how are you doing today? We were designed to be known, to be nurtured, to be believed in, to be cared for. And unless somebody knows who you really are on the inside, you will never actually feel nurtured. When we come to people with our Sunday best on, and they don't actually get to see what's really going on inside of you, you're always going to, you're never going to believe anyone when they say you're awesome because mm-hmm. you don't think you're awesome. Yeah. You're the one that's actually judging you. So you're going to have to learn how to get rejected because not every Christian or not every guy is going to know how to nurture you. And you're going to have to learn how to do relationship, which is so freaking scary. It really is. It's messy. It's so messy, dude. It's annoyingly messy. But if you hide behind God, you're just hiding behind this bulletproof glass, wondering why you feel so friggin' alone and why you're always tempted to go back to all the other things. You're trying to compensate for real connection. It's impossible. You can, you can uh, use your willpower for a while to keep you away from all the stuff, but willpower runs out at the end of every day and you just end up burned out. And what happens when you hit rock bottom, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, you go back to the thing that you're trying to hold yourself from. So, you know, connection, authenticity, vulnerability, we desperately need, uh, we, we desperately need those things. Compassion, authenticity, vulnerability. Jason, I'm wondering what you think um, adventure has to do in that equation. How do you think adventure fits into that? I, I heard somebody say once, um, you never see, hear a man climb a mountain and then want to go masturbate, right? Like, <laughs> and I just, you know, the way he pictures that, I'm like, that, that's so true, right? Like you, you got a pornography problem? Like it's definitely not at the top of the mountain, right? What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's another piece to the puzzle. Yeah. If you have connection over here, right? It just meets us on such a soul level. It's such a huge soul need yeah. to be connected. When you talk about, for me, adventure can be body, soul, spirit. Mm. It can be. I definitely know that it's body, soul for me. Uh, I've done everything from go to Alaska and hunt bears and shoot moose. And I shot a grizzly bear with my bow Dang, on that trip. That's awesome. Adventure does a couple things. I mean, just it's, for me, it makes me come alive. It makes me, um, it satisfies like this exploration, this conquering, this uh, desire that not very many things can. Yeah. Uh, really. 
you know, you think about the question that we're always asking ourselves, thanks John Eldridge, is do I have what it takes? So let's start yeah. there. Yeah. Do I have what it takes? You wake up in the morning, you're asking yourself that. Do I have what it takes? Uh, you see a beautiful woman, you're asking yourself that question. Do I have what it takes? And that's the beauty of pornography. And the downside of pornography, isn't it? Is yeah. in a second, a guy can get in front of a beautiful woman and feel like he has what it takes and get left completely high and dry. When I say beautiful, I'm saying it obviously in a twisted way. Yeah. Like that's the ease of pornography is you can feel connected and you can feel like you have what it takes. It's all artificial, right? Right. But when you think about when you have this mountain that you're going to conquer, literally, you can feel right away. You can go, I feel either connected to the group I'm with, if you're with a group. So my hunting party, my friend and I, I feel so connected to him because it takes two of us to get through this. Mm. We're talking about our lives. We're sharing. I should share 10 days in a tent with a guy who is willing to be vulnerable with me. So I'm getting that connection need met and this, I have what it takes. Right. While I get to watch that unfold. Do I have what it takes? Oh, I did today. Do I have it tomorrow? Oh, I did. Oh, can I do this? I mean, when we shot the moose, when I shot a moose, it was, I mean, we packed out, I don't know, 850 pound loads. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, that's awesome. Every load, you feel like you're dying. Yeah. And every time you're just like, let alone the endorphins you're releasing to your brain, all the chemicals, all the good juice that you're releasing. Right. And at the end of the day, I get to bring all that back to my family. Mm. I'm responsible and responsibility gives life meaning. Mm. I like that. When you conquer an adventure, you're doing so much good for yourself. If you do it solo, you're building self-confidence. You're saying I'm responsible. I'm taking care of myself. I have purpose in this life. I'm releasing good endorphins. I can do it. Yeah. It's crazy how, what that does for you. Yeah. If, see, when a guy's never been on an adventure before, he lacks the confidence that he can. Can what? Can. Anything. Yeah. It's so true. So true. And that's, again, that's what a lot of what the military is doing. Yes. You can. Can do what? Whatever you need to do. Exactly. You can improvise. You can think. You can learn. You can grow. You're not fixed. Right. And you learn that when you face challenges, when you get thrown in above. Above what? Above whatever. Your head, when you get thrown in beyond, when you go beyond. Beyond what? Mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, what you thought. See, the man that never gets tested, he's always afraid. Yeah. He's always afraid that he's going to find the end of himself and be lost. But a man that continually gets tested and learns how to face adversity learns that there may be an end to him, but there's no end when you start to add. When I add you to me, oh, now we can carry this way. But if I add you and me and some knowledge and, oh, you and me plus this friend or you and me and an expert, we can figure this out. And yeah. so many guys are lacking confidence because they cut themselves off from adventure. What kind That's of adventure? Good. Any. A business adventure, an adventure of uh, trying to get a woman that's a healthy woman that you feel like maybe a little beyond. Yeah. Uh, and it sharpens you up, doesn't it? 
I mean, sure, it does. And you're like, okay, I, if I'm going to get that girl, I got to sharpen up. I, I bring that up. I had a, um, a roommate before I, uh, when I went through my divorce, I had six guy roommates for three years. They were yeah. awesome. One of my roommates was like, man, I keep going out with these girls. Like I keep finding different, different girls to date. It wasn't a player or anything just throughout the years. He's like, I, I'm not ever, I meet him. I go out on a date with him and it's just, it's not really exciting. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm wondering like, what girl makes you nervous? He's like, what do you mean? Oh, that's good. I'm like, what girl? And this is all about adventure. This is still in the context of adventure, yeah, right? No, I see it. What girl, when you see her, you're like, oh, that could be a rejection. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that girl will date me. He was like, huh, I never thought about that. I said, you know what I think? I think that you're finding girls subconsciously that you think that you could get easy because you're afraid of rejection. Oof. You don't want to get rejected. Therefore, it feels safe. But once you get it, it doesn't actually feel interesting. It's not actually a risk. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he was better than them. I'm not saying. So if anyone tries to feed in any weird, I'm simply saying in his mind, he thought he could get him when he got that girl wasn't interested. Wasn't actually a girl. He was truly interested in. Right. Because he's trying to play it safe. He exactly. Unconsciously, subconsciously, he was trying not to get hurt. Didn't know it, but he wanted connection. And it wasn't working. Guess what? The very next woman that he dated, he married. Hmm. Because he changed his standard. He, he consciously went, okay. And we talked about it. He consciously went, I'm going to find a woman that I'm nervous about. That I have to <laughs> show up for. That <laughs> I actually good. have to be responsible. That yeah. requires something of me. That you can't just do whatever you want with. And nature is that. Adventure is that. Adventure is something that you don't control. You show up, you put your best foot forward, you know, think about going sailing a hundred miles off of anywhere. Mm. You can, you can do all that you can do. And then nature is going to be nature, not mean, not harsh, just fair. Yeah. Whatever it wants to be. And nine times out of 10, you'll come back fine. But one time out of 10, you're going to sweat and you're going to pay the price, you know, with we're going to see if you're prepared. And that to me is, that was my bow hunting trip in Alaska, you know, standing in front of a grizzly bear at 35 yards, having to hold my stuff together. And you hope you put in all the time before you yeah. hope you're prepared before, but you know, men who don't plan for adventure, let me say it like this. If you plan for adventure, then you plan to be thrown into the unexpected and you plan to have enough confidence to get through that. How? I don't know. You just know I'm going to make it or I'm going to die trying. And that's the beauty of an adventure. And I'm not saying it has to be even risky, but if you're going to go on an adventure, eventually you're going to put yourself in a spot where you have to be prepared for anything because any mission can go different than what you think. You have to be ready and, and preparedness and readiness. It just makes you come alive. It just yes. says, okay, I am dangerous. I am, I am, um, prepared. I am responsible. I have purpose. I have meaning. I'm going somewhere. Uh, somewhere. I'm doing something. And to me, I, I just feel like guys are missing out on all the whole package that adventure brings. 
It's not one thing. It's this incredible, you get the more adventures you take, the more gifts you get, because it's literally every time you're going, I can do this. I can't. I, okay. I'm going to do this next time. It just the problem solving, the confidence, the release of endorphins, the feeling of freedom and the feeling of being so small. It also gets, puts yeah. you in perspective real quick, right? Real fast. Yeah. It's like you, you don't really know that you're capable until you put yourself in the situations where you have to test whether you're capable and there, therefore you are capable. Same thing with courageous, you know, being courageous, it takes you taking courageous actions to be courageous. It's true. Yeah. And so most guys are sitting around feeling like they don't have what it takes because they've never one time reached the limits. I remember when I was uh, wildland firefighting, um, I ran a chainsaw 30 hours straight. Wow. And we, we would stop to um, refuel. So every 15 minutes, if you're running hard, you'll have to refuel. Um, and then stop to grab lunch. But I ran it from morning to night and then back to morning. I never thought I could do that. I didn't think I could. If you would have asked a year before that, like, hey, what would it be like to, and you're not running a chainsaw like, like grandpa cut wood. It's like a battle axe. I'm out there battling. I'm literally battling fire in flames and they're not over my head or any, anything stupid like that, but I'm battling. And there's something happens to you at some point, you get in this mode where you're like, oh crap, I can do that. Well, how does that transfer over the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. It just, uh, you start to realize like, okay, I can do this. And then you go on a run and you realize like, I wonder if I'm stopping at 40% capacity. Yeah. I wonder if I'm quitting way too quick. Yeah. I wonder if I have more than just this stuff, Gosh. but man, you're so scared. If you've never done it before, you're so scared. You're so scared to what date that girl. You're so, so scared to try and take that job. You're scared to step out and start a men's ministry. I'm scared. I'm scared as anybody. Right. My wife was so good at calling me out as, as any good wife. Right. Any, I, I, I got me a nice strong wife from the backwoods of Minnesota. Right. <laughs> like I'm not kidding, Jason. She has a deer head in our house that's hanging up my first deer, the entire head with the rack fits in between her rack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> as embarrassing as it is to say, like, it just like points at my wife's badassness. So, um, she looks at me, man, sometimes, and, th- and this is, you know, I'm sharing here just to be vulnerable. Like, she's like, you know, you do such hard things in your life. Like you do such hard things in the Marine Corps. You go out and you figure so many things out for business or for this and for that. You're so resourceful. But when it comes to my emotions, you wimp and coward away. And I'm like, I'm like, you are talking to a United States Marine Corps officer. Who do you think you are? Right. I didn't really say this, but <laughs> you could imagine. You are, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm like, who does I jump out of airplanes? Who do you think you are? Right. And man, I, in that moment, I had nothing else to be like, Natasha, stop. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. You're free. You're absolutely right. Here's what I'm doing. I'm taking all of these things where all these areas that I'm going and proving myself in but I'm not applying it in the areas that matter most. And like you said before, it does connect when you don't allow yourself to switch your brain on and off 
right? From thinking, okay, this is adventure and this is not adventure. Pursuing yeah. my wife is an adventure. Pursuing her emotions and diving deep is as dangerous as me running a live fire range in the Marine Corps, downrange effective fire coming over me. There's a mortar rounds landing like a hundred yards from me. And I'm like, oh, I could do this. I could do this. And that's dealing with emotions for 15 minutes with my wife. How many guys would <laughs> rather do the live fire drill than emotion? <laughs> Honestly, it's All true. Day. All day. And here's the thing that we, we won't have time to finish, but here's the thing for guys, because I know we're covering a lot of ground. You can do it if you're going into a world that you've never done before, like emotions with your wife, get a guide. Mm, it doesn't good. take the adventure out of it. It takes, it gives you some courage. You know, that's the word encouragement is incredible. I will give you courage to do something that you didn't, you couldn't do before. You don't have to do this alone. I can encourage you and I can give you a roadmap to here's what you do. Here's how to hear the emotion. Here's what's going on. And, and you know, that's where, what took me 20 years to, to learn. Oh, I can give you in a year, six months, three months, if you'll practice enough. I mean, that's what the military has done so well is they break down these principles they keep breaking. They encourage you in a different way than what you would call encouraging, especially at first. <laughs> but you always have, uh, you rarely don't have someone that's training you. Yeah. You know, for the most so part, true. especially for a lot of your career, you have somebody that's going, this is the proper way. This is the right way. Now, you still get to use creativity and all that stuff to, to make it unique to you. But emotions aren't unique to women or men or to my mom or my dad or my wife. I mean, they've been around since God created man and woman. So, <laughs> That's it. you know, there are some real good guides out there Yeah, that really can help. And we, we laugh about the uh, YouTube gurus and some of it's crap and some of it's great. And that's, yeah. that's the road that you're going to have to go down. That's the road they're going to have to go down. But essentially that's also what we created Braveco for. Mm. You don't got to do, you don't got to live in a life disconnected. You don't have to do these adventures alone. You don't have to brave whatever it is, a business startup or facing emotions alone. In fact, let me give you four weeks of training on this. And let me give you this challenge, this weekly challenge that helps you move to here. It's not everything you need, but it's a freaking good start. Yeah. So, you know, that's what, that is ultimately why we started Brave Co. like, okay, I can't, I'm not going to be everything for guys, but what I'm good at, what God's gifted me in, adventure, um, emotional health, spiritual health, challenges, we're going to crush those. Gentlemen, down below, you're going to be able to find links to be able to connect with Jason Valatin. You're going to find his Instagram. You're going to find his website. You're going to find some of the products that he has out there, Brave Co., and guys, trust me, you are going to want to get connected with him. He is a well of knowledge, especially when it comes to emotional health. That is like one of his areas of expertise. And gentlemen, thank you for tuning in for this episode of the podcast. Until next time, continue to march. Mm -hmm.